Podcast. My name's Sam Towns. And I'm Zach Nesbitt. And before we get into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. This week's episode is hammering your ear anvils thanks to the wonderful crew at Nordic Edge, where you can get all of your blacksmithing and bladesmithing needs, such as tasty Cubitron belts and outrageous Apex Ultra, at the click of a button. So visit their easy-to-use website, nordicedge.com.au, after the show to stock up. Hammering our ear anvil. That sounds painful. I know, but fun fact, you actually, you know how a lot of the beginner blacksmiths and bladesmiths or anything like that, they've actually been always on the search for the anvil. The funny Mm -hmm. thing is, is that you've had them all along. You're actually born with them. Yes, the, yeah, two of two them. bones <laughs> in your ears. <laughs> one's an, one's the hammer, one's the anvil. <laughs> so yeah. look no further, bladesmiths, blacksmiths. <laughs> just just get into your inner ear and just tear those busters out, and so you've got yourself your tools. No, you got to do it the fun way. You got to pour some water over your anvil and just crack a big billet on there and bear down on it, blow them out of your ears. You'd be right. Then you can bolt them to the floor, and you can, and then you're set. Yeah. that's it but anyway what have you been up to this week surviving (laughs) living that uh, playing that lovely game (laughs) called life yeah no it's it it, uh it's only been of of recent like uh just today that's been a bit of a downer so uh, apart from the absolutely horrendous weather that we've had um if anyone caught my story they saw like the well the hard rain pretending to be hail, but um, I don't know what you're talking about. It's been beautiful weather. <laughs> yeah, lovely, lovely. It's perfect moving weather, isn't it? You know. Oh fuck! <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh, no, I've just been I've been uh, catching up on some custom orders um, and trying to. I am a little bit of a delay, which is unfortunate. Just a few things have been popping up, which is you know causing a few setbacks. Um, but I've been in touch with, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody to, uh, to let them know, but, uh, I'm not too far behind. So it's only, only like a couple of days. So nothing, nothing drastic, which is good. Yeah. Um, if anyone's been sorry, following my story as well, they might've seen that, um, that shovel that I've been doing making uh, from the pool <laughs> cue handle as well. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so that's a, that's been a challenge. Mm. Um, but it's been it's been fun. Yeah, you know, I'm really happy with how it's turning out. I, I did a fit up of it tonight, so it's sort of it's almost done. It's nearly there. Just needs a it hook for really the good. other end, which I still need to forge out. And um, I'm going to sand the handle a little bit and pretty that up a bit because it's still only a straight cut at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I have been playing with some old sheep shear scissors. Mm. and uh making and i've cut those down to try and make some uh little knives out of and put some handles on just you know something quirky but still functional and useful but yeah a little bit different yeah so uh hopefully those will be coming up uh on the on the post soon enough and they will all be available as well and what else have i been doing oh and yeah just just pretty much the other other little detail was today so i had a lovely little vet visit with my girl louise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. so yes she, she's not doing too well at the moment and she's needing a surgery so 
I'm just trying to scrounge up whatever I can do and find somebody that's willing to buy one of my kidneys so I can get the surgery <laughs> done and she's a happy gal and I'm a happy guy. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> it always but, uh, kind of like yeah. blows my mind when you think about surgery on an animal that small, you know, because yeah. for those of you who don't know, Louise is a guinea pig. Um, yes uh, but yeah no it, it, it's it's really interesting like thinking about general anesthetic when you when they're that small. oh yeah yeah like um e- even just from like a fascinating standpoint looking at it mm. is that the little tools and all the things that they have for it is is really quite incredible like because uh she goes to a place called the unusual pet vets and mm. so it's in the name they deal with all of those unusual pets so they have they have a whole bunch of random stuff that come through them too so anything from lizards and you know roosters and guinea pigs and snakes and everything just all of it so um they're very talented people and they they, they are very very helpful but um yeah sadly with the smaller animals and exotic animals comes the exotic prices <laughs> yeah, well i i hope everything so, goes well for you well Hopefully, yeah. Uh, hopefully, things will go well. I've put up. A, I've got my sale going. I'm hoping that uh, anything that I can do uh, will be put up and um, put towards the surgery to hopefully get it across the board because it needs to hopefully be booked in latest by Monday. Um, so right. we're hoping the best. Well, but um, you heard him, guys. That's it. <laughs> got his Etsy page. All of the support is appreciated, but uh, even just as a business standpoint, so. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I appreciate all the lovely messages that people have been sending yeah. from uh, seeing my story and uh, and getting in touch and just, just all the, you know, warm fuzzies. So thank you very much for everyone for that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, um, my song uh, of the week, It funnily enough, it, I actually had this before today, mm-hmm. but it sort of fits, which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um it's it's just a it's a really catchy song i actually uh heard of it uh when it was in a cartoon that was on netflix or disney one of those two streaming platforms it's called invincible right um and it's it's a really good take on a on a superhero show i I like it it's it's good good comic too you know get into it but um just a little bit yeah yeah It, it it is like it's it's like uh, where DC should be heading a little bit more. It's kind of like you know? the boys. Make a movie of that, like... you know. Do live action, you know. That will be on it. We'll be there. I'll I'll see it four times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me um, of the boys, you know. Like it's that kind of. Yes, yes, it's very, very much like an animated version of the boys, yeah. essentially. So it, it, that that's a really good analogy, actually, Sam. Perfect, perfect description. So yeah, pr- pretty much think of it that way. But anyway, um, the song is called "Broken Boy," hmm. um, and and funnily enough, a lot of people are actually going to know the band that did it. Um, if you're a Borderlands fan, <laughs> um, their their main theme uh, by Cage the Elephant it's uh, it's done by the same band. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, forget, yeah. So again, like yourself. their sound, their sound is very unique. I love it, um, and I don't think there's any better video game theme. You know, honestly, <laughs> playing playing Borderlands One and first hearing that intro, I was freaking hooked. Like I've, yeah. I, I think everybody was hooked just from the get go. Yeah. Like it, the game didn't even matter no, after that. That was that was a solid entrance. Ain't, you know? ain't no rest was <laughs> kind of like on my pl- any playlist that I had for years. Yeah. <laughs> after yeah. that, they came definitely, out. definitely. It, it's just their sound, how the, how they do things. It's it's very unique. So they they really slap hard. So yeah, Broken Boy by Cage the Elephant. That's my nice. Song. 
yeah, you'll 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 love it. I'm pr- I promise. <laughs> How about yourself, Sam? How is the uh, oh, the old move been going? <laughs> Very soggy ankles, I'm sure. Oh, God, oh, you know, like I I've said that you know my new house has a pool. The entire backyard has been a friggin' pool the last couple of days. Uh, it's been nuts because like the pool actually overflowed because it doesn't have the drainage is a bit screwed at the moment, so. Mm-hmm. My, my pool actually <laughs> overflowed in the backyard. Uh, there was like two inches deep Excellent. in most of the backyard. <laughs> so that made life pretty interesting. Um, well, that's interesting. You, know, you, can, you can canoe and dive <laughs> at the same time. It's great. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, Fantastic. But no, I've been slowly chipping away at the, the new forge area and the new grinding room. Um, I've still been battling. Yeah, I've been seeing the setup on your uh, on your pitches, looking very good. Yeah, I've, I've been battling my illness. Like I've been, I've had a cold for like a week now. It's been like in the background, oh. low level cold, and it's really annoying. It's one of those things that makes you feel really tired all the time. Um, yep, and like constantly saps the energy from constantly you. Constantly sneezing, constantly like slightly runny nose and just like feeling just downtrodden it's not like a really bad one where you're like laid up but it's just enough that you feel like you've been hit by a bus every day yeah um, and yep. so i've been like kind of trumping down the you know <laughs> to the kitchen making my coffee in the morning and just kind of going, fuck this shit <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of getting like some old school Megatron vibes, you know, like I still function. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I have, I, I have been feeling like I'm 80 years old, but um, and the weather really hasn't been helping. I'll be real. Um, trying to shift. Stuff, oh no, no. Trying to shift stuff in torrential rain has been quite fun. Um, <laughs> like I figured out. So in the grinding room, there was a bunch of tables and stuff left behind by the previous tenant that are actually there from the original owner, who is now my landlord. Um, and right. one of them is a table. Bonus. One is a, one is a table that they actually built. Right, like they built them when it was a kid, when they were much younger, like you know, very young. Oh wow. Um, okay. And it's rickety as hell and it's made out of all different sizes of wood and it's just not a good bench for like what I do. And so it's kind of... So it's a shop class table. <laughs> I was sending them messages going, can I please take this apart or like get rid of it? And they're like, I'd really like to have it at my place. I'm like, cool, no worries. I'll organize that. And it started <laughs> raining, just straight up raining for friggin' three days straight. So I haven't actually been able to yep. get it anywhere. Um, and it weighs a ton because all of the wood is Jarrah. So it, 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 the... Oh yeah, well yeah, it's it's in WA. Yeah, it's a it's a giant so it's a giant it. workbench made of Jarrah. So like, even though it's rickety as hell, it it is it heavy. It's solid, <laughs> solid rickety. Yeah, so so I, had, I had my like five foot nothing friend helping me move this fucking giant Jarrah table, <laughs> uh, which was fucking hilarious. But um, also, I've been battling Morning Glory Vine, which I'm not sure anyone who knows like Australian f- uh, flora. Morning. Those green thumbs out there Man. will know what you're talking about. Morning. I can already hear the eyes rolling. Morning Glory chokes <laughs> everything to death and creates these giant mats of incredibly strong vines. Like the vines are ridiculously strong. Um, and I've had to remove probably about 100 kilos worth of vines from the floor and roof of the <laughs> shop. And when I did that, I found out that actually the lean-to area where my forge area was going to be, I'm going to have to completely take that down and rebuild it. Uh, from the ground up because uh, it was originally put together back in the 60s 
and oh wow, uh, most of the beams. The morning glory was all that was holding together. Pretty much, most of the beams are actually rotted, <laughs> and a couple of the beams aren't actually like sitting on posts. What they're doing is just sitting on a pile of bricks, like stacked on top of each other <laughs> on a wall. Like it's it is the most janky setup I've ever seen. And it's like, it's working for now, but I'm just worried that all I have to do is hit the anvil a little bit One too hard. One sneeze is all it takes. <laughs> and like, the, the roof, I'm not sure anyone is going to be familiar with this, but the roof is made out of the old asbestos Super 8 um, fencing. So it's all like eight millimeter thick corrugated asbestos yep. fencing. But, Wavy gray, just yeah. grotesque. And it weighs... Crap a ton so like this thing comes down it's killing someone if you're under it like so um that's gonna be a fun job um but it unfortunately means that a lot of my forging gear just has to sit in my carport and do nothing while i you know fix this stuff because i can't put it there because it'll get rained on um so yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a work in progress it's probably going to be a couple weeks before i actually get to swing a hammer at my house um so my main priority now is getting the grinding room set up um and i have that mostly done uh i've cleared out most of what i need to uh completely swept the place out bolted the grinder down bolted the belt of the wire wheel down got my uh got my belts set up today uh realized that i need to buy more belts (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah, just just chipping away at things really slowly. It's it's been it's been a fucking struggle, but I'm I, you know I'm happy to see it finally coming together. Um, yeah, I also took the time yesterday to list all of the stuff that didn't sell at the medieval fair on my Etsy store. Um, oh yeah, saw some of them posts go yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, like the the whittling knives and the hori horries and uh, the bonsai scissors, which have already gone by the time, <laughs> like by the time we're recording this. <laughs> Uh, somebody snapped them up and they love them scissors and the x-ray style knife which i'm actually quite happy with um but yeah so that's that's been my life it's been crazy it's been absolutely nuts oh that's that's the life of a blacksmith isn't it It really is but (laughs) um or hammersmith or whatever smith you you sort of transition into now right now i've got them all on you (laughs) right now i'm not even any kind of smith you're no smith I'm going to be using the rotary forge for a while as, uh, as our friend Ben likes to put it. Uh, <laughs> you'll become a vegan knife maker for a while. That's it. Um, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's, that's been my week. My, my song of the week this week is actually one that I've been waiting for it to come out before I could use it. Um, because it's, oh, right. it's, okay. it's one of those, I came across it on Instagram reels, right? Cause I don't normally look at reels. I normally watch TikTok if I'm watching short form. But you know how you yep. just like sometimes click on a reel because you're interested in watching it and then you just start scrolling by habit? Yeah, and, you, you get caught in the oh, loop. man. Especially when you're like, you know, you got nothing else to do. Like you sit on the toilet or something. And Oh, yeah. Well, that's, it. that's at least 40 minutes there, you know. <laughs> and I heard this really groovy kind of rap semi singing kind of groove song um, that I was... I just immediately was captivated by, it, but it was one of those songs. It's like, Oh, it's coming out soon. And I was like, oh, fuck. so I can't, I couldn't <laughs> listen to it properly. Like I couldn't listen to the whole song and I couldn't use it in the song of the week until it came out. And then that was like three weeks ago. So uh, it came out like yesterday and the song is called matcha, like the T M A T C H A matcha, matcha, whatever you want to call it. And it's by uh, a singer named wick Whitney. Um, so W I C. Whitney 
W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. And it's just this really slow, kind of cool groove um, with some, you know, low low grade rap thrown in uh, because eclecticism is my is my life. I love eclectic stuff. <laughs> That's how we roll here at the Forgecast. Um, but yeah, I just I just really dig his vibe, and it was it was really nice. Um, oh yeah, and happy Pride to everyone because it is Pride Month. So um, rainbows all around. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's that's it. Now, um, we would normally talk about whether or not we go into inspirations or emails, but we have no emails this week uh, because we use them all for... Hey, y'all a, bu- a bunch of uh, real quiet makers out there being busy. You <laughs> well, know? They've, they've all been I mean, I know we're... At the, and, uh, Everyone's been at Blade Show, yes. yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> they've all just been busy and, and they're recouping now. Like I, I saw, uh, you know, uh, the guest photo that yeah, we got uh, some of the guests put together. Love that that was lovely. We posted that up, so that was great. Good, work, Good Jake. to see you all. Yeah. No. Um, yep. Well done, Jake. Well done. Thank you for that. It was great to see, you. And, and hopefully we can organize a, a bigger one for next year because I know there are a few more people out there that were uh, were actually guests on our show that could have been part of that uh but it's hard to oh yeah, everyone. yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's just getting that. everyone together and, and, and you know it's 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 hard with makers you know like all of us are, are hard enough to keep our attention as it is you know like trying to get to corral us all into a photo is <laughs> this madness you just it's it's very difficult so yeah no well well done jake for getting who you could exactly yeah, <laughs> absolutely that's it no, it looks like it was a great show, and uh, and and a couple of people got. Uh, I think it was uh, Slacksmith got uh, JS. Yeah, he did. Um, also, see. Francois yeah. Mazier, um, who's yes, yes, a good friend of mine. Uh, he got his JS, and uh, we now have another Master Smith in Australia, uh, Mr. Jackson Rumble. That we do. Yes. And like, I mean, I am not surprised. <laughs> this is the man who literally went into his JS with a keyhole dagger. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> just going to bring up that keyhole. <laughs> like, like of all people, like, you know, when he went for his JS, everyone's yeah. telling like people to go into JS, like, go simple, go as simple as you can. Jackson's just like, ah, oh, no, fuck this. I'm going for keyhole. Um, yeah, so. yeah. He, he's the man, you know, everyone goes in there, smoked a cigarette, like he just <laughs> swallowed the cigarette. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he just took the pack out, just chewed the whole bunch. <laughs> That's it. Um, he also won, uh, I think it's the BR Hughes Award uh, for best knife submitted. Oh, I must submitted. have missed that. Yeah, he uh, he won best knife submitted by a master smith uh, submitter. Like, um, well done. Yeah, no, Jackson well is an absolute freaking legend, and I want to get him on the show at some point. Uh, there was a bunch of people messaging me going to kind of going, when's he going to be on the show? Now he's a master Smith. In Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure his place is going to be very, very full for at least a little while. Well, um, I mean, he is now, but the first thing is sort of getting over the withdrawals for blade show. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first step. That's I mean, the first step. he is now the, all, yeah, the third master Smith in Australia. Um, there, there are only three, <laughs> so he is, he is going to have a lot of, uh, you know, kind of requests of his time, let's say. Um, well, that's, that's, it's all part and parcel with the, uh, with the stature of a master Smith, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And like, no one's more deserving. Jackson just does insane stuff. Anyone who looks at Jackson Rumble stuff, he's not the inspiration of the week, but honestly, I think we should tag him on the Insta anyway. 
because <laughs> his stuff is next the inspiration level. for the inspirations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, his his stuff is just next level. But the, yeah, there were a lot of successful uh, JS people this year. Uh, I believe Bill yes. Thorne, a, a, another friend of mine who has entered every town's Bowie build-off uh, that I've done, uh, he also, I think, went for his JS this year. So I have actually yet to hear whether he made it. So I'm going <laughs> to keep my fingers okay, well, crossed. Well, <laughs> let us know if you if you hear it and we don't see it beforehand. Let yeah, us that's know. It. I'm going I'm, I'm to check in now. Um <laughs> But with that being out of the way, uh, and our thanks to Jake for uh, repping the uh, <laughs> for repping the show uh, at Blade Show, let's get into the inspirations <laughs> and uh, hear from our sponsor. Yes. So our inspiration is going to be brought to you by Knife Maker Plus, where you can get taught the pro tips of bladesmithing by one of the best ABS mastersmith, Kyle Royer. It's like he's right there in the room instructing you. So turn your knife making game up to 11 by visiting learnknifemaking.com after the show. Yes. So um, who's been inspiring you this week, Zach? I thought you were going to ask me first. <laughs> of course, always. Um, yeah, for sure. No, my uh, my inspiration uh, is is an Aussie bladesmith. Um, they hail from Adelaide, um, so it's it's actually in in good hopes that one time that I might actually be able to get over there and meet them too. So that'll be fantastic. Mm. Um, I love the work uh, of their cheese and charcuterie knives. Um, very very simple, but really really elegant and such a style to them. Um, they just have like a really dainty, long little handle. Um, and with the file, uh, uh, you know, with this, you know, the file work stays all the way down the spine and that. So it's just all those little details make it up from that recycled, uh, steel. Um, but the maker, uh, is named Richard Cooper and goes by dog boy knives. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you look them up and check out their work. I absolutely love the little, uh, charcuterie knives. They're, they're one of my favorites of, uh, of, of the work that they do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, just all of it. Like there's a bit of Kumai in there, some chef stuff going on. There's just every aspect. There's definitely a, a style that you can uh, recognize there. And, um, I just love it. It really, really pops and speaks for itself. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, I can get over to, I believe it's going to be Adelaide blade show, mm-hmm. um, November. So I'm hoping if all things go well in the world for me, <laughs> that, uh, I'll be able to make it over there. If not, it'll definitely be on my list, uh, to go over there next year. Um, I think like, so that, that is definitely, it's something you and I were talking definitely. about. I think we could pull together to make that happen. I think, I think it would be worth for us to both go to Adelaide next year. Oh, look, you know, all the ducks line up and the planets align. I'm good to go. Because um, I, I, you know, as I said, with a lot of my knives and stuff that I'm sort of getting on top of, uh, I'm learning a lot, you know, I'm struggling a bit, but all of those uh, key lessons are falling into place. So we'll make it happen. Um, it, yeah, exactly. You know, I'll, I'll, I will be able to fill a table. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope I can by that point. Like, <laughs> well, that's it. You know, like it, like I said, if it's not a, if it's not a thing this year, um, it goes, goes into the hard work over the Christmas time and then, uh, definitely happens the following year. Cause that's, uh, that's got to happen. Absolutely. Got to go over to that neighboring state and, uh, be part of that show. 
yeah, it's, it's the it's the closest nice show we can get to. Like, it's one we could actually. Well, drive you know, to. it's a nice drive. It's not too bad. <laughs> then hopefully, and again, if that pays off, we can over, uh, obviously uh, follow that circuit over to Sydney and Queensland, and hopefully more. But yeah, we'll see how we go. That's the hope. But uh, yeah, no, go and check out Dog Boy Knives on Instagram um and uh yeah give him a follow for uh, richard cooper and all of his lovely work over there um so keep up the really good work richard i'm i'm looking forward to seeing more it's definitely an inspiration for me and i'm hoping to uh give a go at one of those uh style knives with the files and mm. yeah I'll, I'll i'll post you in how how it goes hopefully uh i can do it justice <laughs> yeah I, I really love the profile it's very uh, evocative of like the uh, the french style yeah it's just such a nice flow to it. it's very different it just stands out to a lot of the stuff that you're seeing at the moment absolutely yeah <laughs> the contrast of woods and and yeah 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 no, i great. really like it <laughs> definitely my kind of style but yes um how about yourself sam who has been inspiring you and getting you through your day <laughs> well um so this is a creator i came across a couple of weeks ago actually um and put on the list of inspirations that I have, uh, <laughs> working through them. Um, but you know, one of the things that people know I love is like you know deep relief engraving and Japanese style deep relief engraving and stuff like that. But what people don't realize is that there's a huge uh, crossover between deep relief steel engraving and wood carving uh, in Japanese culture, right? Like uh, they view um, horimono, which is the practice of deep relief engraving as a form of basically wood carving in steel. Um, right. And so the practice is it practice kind of overflows each other, each other. Um, and so you see a lot of similar techniques, a lot of similar tooling, that kind of thing. It's just scaled up for wood and scaled down for, um, for steel. And, one of the creators that I came across recently just does the most amazing realism wood carving, right? Like makes the most ridiculously realistic animals and like things, whether it be flowers or whatever it is in wood carving that I have seen. And he takes it to the next level or they take it to the next level. I don't actually know if it's he or she, uh, but they go by Netsuke underscore Okimono which is uh, N-E-T-S-U-K-E underscore O-K-I-M-O-N-O on Instagram. And they just do like these stunningly detailed carvings. Um, one recently that I've seen is, is like a frog sitting on top of a bamboo um, thing and they're actually doing uh, ox horn as the eyes. Oh, like, holy crap. Like, black eyes. <laughs> And uh, it's all carved out of one piece of wood. It is just the most insane wow. detail. <laughs> like that's incredible. I, it's weird. It's wild, isn't it? Like <laughs> I was just looking at the uh, orange peel with the snail. Yeah, exactly. Like, but they, they do from these, boxwood. Yeah, they they do. These. Wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corn, Cornell Schneider is his name. Um, yes, but he just does just everything. The textures. The way he plays with colors and light, it it looks real. Like looking mm. from a distance, you see like the the tortoise and you know the snail on the on the orange peel, and you kind of from a distance you would think that's real, like one hundred percent. That's that has to be oh, real. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to do a double take, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's all carved from one piece. Um, 
so yeah, he he you know involves himself in a lot of like the traditional artwork of like the Japanese craft, but he also kind of involves a little bit of the more modern take of realism because like in a lot of traditional Japanese carving, it was stylized um, carving, and he takes that to that next level. So absolutely amazing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of detail in that work. That's incredible. (laughs) I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it uh, reminds me of the other woodworker that you had as a uh, inspiration. Um, They do the little pop vinyl looking ones. I forget his, uh, I forget their name that they did it, but their their work pops up for me a lot. I I love it. It's just sort of like a little, a little ray of sunshine, you know, when you see something like that, because you, as a creator yourself, you know, what goes into that and the amount of hours and work and blood, sweat and tears, all of that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So you, you can appreciate it on just such a level. Um, but that is incredible work. Definitely, um, definitely check it out and, and um, just yeah, take it's it's in awe. I'm still looking at it. I'm just lost. It's just absolutely <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, for, yeah, for me, it's just it's a matter of uh, it's unyielding wood was the one you were talking about. The other one, the other one. Ah, uh, yes, that's the one. Unyielding wood. That's right. Yeah. Yes, but I had to look it up because I was kind of like it was annoying me. <laughs> but yeah, they, they do they do similar detail work, but in like a stylized nature. It's a stylized form, yeah. Where this is more realistic. Yeah, this is like true realism. Yeah, wood carving in four K. So... <laughs> <laughs> Check them out, guys. Um, get onto them and give them a follow. Well deserved. Um, but that will bring us into our technique of the week. Technique of the week. Thanks to Forge Down Under, the first Australian blacksmithing competition show coming to YouTube. Watch as expert blacksmiths battle it out, creating stunning works of art from raw metal and exciting challenges. With expert judges on hand to provide feedback, you'll get an inside look at what it takes to be a true master of the forge. And best of all, it's all free on YouTube. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe now to Savage Custom Creative on YouTube and Forge Down Under on Facebook. First episode airs on July 1st, three weeks away. That's right. Very, very exciting. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure everyone's just um, on the edge of their anvils just waiting for it to come out, you know. <laughs> it's very I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Oh, love it. Uh, no, but our technique uh, of the week is going to be taps and dies and threading and all of that lovely precision work that everyone just loves to do. Known as... So we're going to talk about it. Snap! Fuck! <laughs> yeah, you know it's, it's the uh, the technique that your neighbours can hear you at ten o'clock at night when you have to go for that really rabid trip to Bunnings to go and get a new one. Yeah, when exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's always a pain. Yes. But yeah, no, it's it's something that a lot of us use, but not very regularly, right? Like you'll you'll always yes. find yourself in a position, or if you're like me, you'll go through a phase of like six months where you will not touch a tap or die. And then suddenly for like three or six months straight, you'll be using it every day because yep. you'll just find every freaking job requires it. Um, and oh, so yeah. it's a, it's a set of tools and a, a set of techniques that is like incredibly important to learn as a maker. Right. Um, and it's not just as I easy agree. as kind of, kind of just kind of yeah, pull out the tap, start, you know, wiggling it into a yeah, hole. Yeah, drill the yeah. hole, put the tap in, just start spinning. <laughs> That's it. There's a little more to it. Like die, like die use, like using dies is actually a lot easier than tapping, right? Like yes. dies, it's kind of get a bar that is the right 
size use the mm. die on it and it's really hard to break dies you can break them <laughs> don't yeah. take this as a challenge you can break them oh um, yeah you know people will i've broken dies um but yeah no taps you break a lot more often especially the smaller they get um and yeah Alex, if Alex was here, he would tell you that because he's he regularly uses like M2 and M3 taps, which are, you know, the, the shanks on those are like a millimeter thick. It's all the uh, all the slip joints and uh, all the folders yeah. that he does. <laughs> um, uh, Alex, just you'll have to make bigger knives. And, and one of the things that I think is important to point out uh, that is really help was helpful for me when I was learning how to tap things and dye things is learning what size drill bit you need for the tap you're using. And there's a really yes. easy way to do that, especially in the metric system. I, I'm not going to speak on the Imperial system because I fucking, <laughs> I have no idea what what that means. Like they have quarter 20, which I like, this is one of the only ones I know because uh, they have like a different pitch reading for them. Uh, whereas in metric, it makes sense. You have the M whatever number, which normally equates to the overall bolt size or the overall thread size. So in case of like M8, it would be an eight millimeter thread. And then you have the pitch size, which is like one or 1.25. That yep. is the depth of your pitch from the tip of the pitch to the uh, shallow, like to the, from the, uh, from the land to the groove. Um, if you're talking in rifle the thread. Yep. And so when you're selecting a drill bit, you want to select the, uh, a drill bit that is, the diameter of the tap minus the pitch, right? So if you've got an M8, 1.25, then what you want to do is use a 8 minus 1.25, which is, you know, 6.75 or 6.8 millimeter drill bit yep. to get the correct size hole for your tap. Uh, and that works with any tap. It's the same with your duck. But Sam, that makes too much yeah. sense. What about our American <laughs> friends? <laughs> well, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> there are also like there are also apps for it. Like you know, when I'm using uh, Imperial taps, I just use an app. Uh, I just download yep. a, a tap. I think there's one called like um, Tap slash Drill or something like that. It's it's a really simple app. It basically just has like a chart that shows you when you're trying to find the right <laughs> size. It's so much easier to do it in metric, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so... It's just one of the things, one of the ways of the world. <laughs> the, the big thing is that when you're dyeing a material, when you're cutting threads with a die, um, basically you just have to get the piece of material that's the same size as the thread, right? So if you need to use an M8 die, you just need eight millimeter rod. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And start spinning. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. When, when you're doing, uh, especially metric tapping, all you have to do is take away the, the pitch 1.1, uh, 1.0 or 1.25 from the, uh, overall thread size. Yep. Um, and obviously always back your tap every half turn. That's I, it. I, you can, you can do full turns with like bigger taps, but the smaller tap you get, like, with I find tap. that it, yeah, definitely depends on how thick the tap is <laughs> yeah. and what metal you're trying to put it through. With, with an M3 <laughs> tap, I will back the tap every quarter turn. 
yeah. you know, like I'll, yeah. I'll quarter turn back off, quarter turn back off, quarter turn back off. And that the reason for that is because you're trying to break those chips. Um, yeah. There are, there are taps that are designed to just be driven straight through, but yeah. you don't want to rely on that. <laughs> no, well, it, it, it's also a matter of getting it straight. Um, yeah. Cause it's not just pushing it through the hole and oh, it'll line up. Yeah. It, it depends on the thickness, uh, uh, sorry, the depth of the uh, the tap you need to do. Uh, if it's just a small bit of like, say, a, a liner lock or something like that, the small little liner, sure, you're good. You know, it's like going to be very, very thin, so you're fine. But when it's something like you're trying to do, like I've been trying to do, the uh, pull cue handle and trying to drill down inside the timber, I've got an insert in there for that. But again, you need to make sure you get it all lined up. So the same thing applies to doing a uh, tap into the other end of the shovel. Uh, you yeah. need to make sure that you get it straight so that your thread will be straight. Otherwise, when you put it together, it'll be on an angle. And once it's there, you can't really go back and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. So also you got to remember cutting, uh, or you can use some oil as well, like a fluid to, to aid that as well. Yeah, I, it's not necessary, but it helps. I, I, I almost always do, and I use like two. I use three in one normally for mine. It's, it's yeah, like so do I. Yeah, it's more like medium. a habit, you know, like like insurance rather than you know, yeah, it's going to do something. <laughs> if if I could afford it, I would have tap magic because that stuff is literal magic. It's literally it's in the name. <laughs> yeah, like, but the thing is, like a lot of the time when something is something magic, it's just complete guff. Like it's it doesn't actually do the thing it says it does. Tap magic yep. does what it says on the tin. Like uh, for drilling and tapping, that stuff is just amazing. I don't understand how they do it, but it's great. Um, <laughs> Science. <laughs> when, I, when I finally get when I when I finally get some excess income, I'm gonna buy myself a bottle of tap magic. But That's um, it. You know, yeah. just you just have to add it to the shopping list. Tap magic, gator piss, we're solid. Oh man, you know, gator piss would be stuffed nice. up. I'd, I'd love some, love some gator piss. Goy, <laughs> hook, hook us up. Yeah, that's it, Goy. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see how we go. But the other yes, thing no. To... Um, oh, sorry. Continue, sir. No, go on. You're all right. No, I was, I was going to mention there is one thing that we have to keep in mind is that sometimes you're threading a blind hole, right? Yes. Like threading it, threading a through hole is a lot easier because the chips drop out the bottom. Uh, if That's you're right. threading a blind hole, you're actually pushing the, the chips ahead of you. Um, yep. And so it pays. Uh, and one thing that a lot of people don't know is that there are actually sets of taps specifically designed to thread blind holes. And they're called three set taps. And they start with a, a long taper tap, which just cuts a very beginning thread. And then you blow the hole out. And then you use your second tap, which is like a standard tap, which has got the short taper. And that cuts a little bit further and you blow those out. And then you have what's called a blunt head tap, uh, which is basically a, ta a, ta a tap that has no taper. Um, you can make your own by basically buying two of the same tap. You don't really need the first one I've found. You can just use mm. a standard tap and then just cut the taper off another tap and that'll get down yeah. to the bottom of the hole. Uh, and that's what I normally do. Just grind a tiny little taper on the end to help it get started and then use it as yeah. a blunt head tap that's um, just why they put it in the box i'd assume <laughs> well that's that's it yeah <laughs> for the people um, that can't make their own <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and like that's it so um but blunt head taps are incredibly useful for doing like um blind holes where you can't get the tap all the way through because obviously the taper or the bit of the tap that's tapered will not fit the bolt through or whatever threaded yeah. rod you have will not fit through the area if it's only been tapered, uh, taper tapped. 
That's right. So, so yeah, when you're doing a blind hole, it helps to have a blunt head tape tap. And that's why I tend to, if I've got a, a hole that I tend to tap a lot. So I've got M6, M8, uh, and M3, uh, a set of three taps, uh, each is when you go and buy taps individually from the store, a lot of the time they'll only sell you a, a group of three. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just, how they I'm, get you. <laughs> I just buy a set of three and I cut one into a blunt head tap. <laughs> yeah. So I have oh. one in case it snaps one <laughs> and then a one is a blunt head tap because taps that's will it. snap. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. And your neighbors will hear it. And there's there's you know like tap, there's tap removal tools for like larger taps. Uh, Nothing for this ones that we use though. Yeah. No, anything <laughs> like M, M6 and below, like quarter inch and below, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tungsten carbide. And, hence it. the noise is louder because there's uh <laughs> that means it's start again time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure how many people will remember, but I made the internal thread for my um, Muso buoy. I had an M3 M3 uh, nut inside my Muso buoy handle, and I broke the M3 tap in that hole three times. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to short the tap every time because it snapped off just at the tip. And so by the end, the M3 tap was just literally just the nub at the end near the near the shank. And it was just enough to do the hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shame it doesn't come in a three-pack of the same tap, eh? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely, definitely worth buying spares of any standard tap sizes. Um, yeah. And they do wear out as well. So, yeah. you know... Like I believe it's, um, I think when Niels was talking about uh, his uh, his ones, that he replaces them after every six to eight holes or so that he does. Mm. Um, I think I, I think I saw in his story that he mentioned that as just a, like a little tip. You want to keep up that uh, that precision, the consistency. If you're doing a lot of them, one off here and there, I'm sure it probably wouldn't matter that much. But um, yeah, tools are good condition. Your work's going to be in good, good condition. So. Just keep that in mind. It also very much, it also very much depends on what you're tapping into. That's right. Yeah, like the material that you're actually using, um, that that plays a big. If you're tapping into like tool steel, if you're tapping into tool steel all the time, yeah, you're going to wear your taps out faster. Uh, If you're tapping into like brass and aluminium and stuff like that, then you can use the tap like a million times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So keep it in mind. And 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 a good little tip, um, if you're looking for an odd size and you don't want to buy them all, and you just need to tap that one hole. Check out and see if you have a local car boot sale because I guarantee you there is always that one guy with like a tray or a bucket of just a whole bunch of random size taps and dies. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even need the handle enough. You just need the one tap. You just have a dig through. You'll find it. Either that or find an elderly neighbor somewhere that has a Yeah, guarantee there'll be some in there too. Yeah, for instance, my dad has a, an entire toolbox drawer, like a giant toolbox drawer full of loose taps that he's just picked up over yep. the years. He never uses any of them. He just, every time he finds a tap, he just puts it in the collection. So every time I need like a weird size That's tap, it. I just go, hey, dad, have you got one? And he's like, I don't know. Have, have a look. look. <laughs> like he'll always have <laughs> He'll have like six of them. I needed like a 764 tap once. And I was like, you can't even buy those in Australia. Uh. I, I need a, I think it's a three eighths inch one. I think I need to get yeah, yeah, do some gear tap handles, handles, but yeah. yeah. Oh, 
trying to get them in stores. <laughs> but that's it. Like, and I was just like, oh, I'll just go. I'll just go check Dad, Dad's drawer. He had literally oh. had three of them. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair enough. Definitely I'll take that. done. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely check check with your elderly neighbors because yes. they normally have them. Good tip. <laughs> They'll have a tap. Everyone has a tap drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a tap drawer. I will have a tap drawer one day. I'll be one of those. Oh, you got to have you got to have one of those spots for all of those tiny tools. Just you know, make it easier for them to be carried around everywhere. Which actually, funnily enough, helps us you know, yeah, slide we... into our our uh, topic of the week. Actually, funnily enough, mm, nice segue. No, no, good, isn't it? <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> um, yeah, I love so that every that, time we that topic... have a smooth segue, we have to point it out. So that it's not a smooth segue. Just, just. Well, that's just that's sort of our deal. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just awkward little beans. Uh, we like to have fun. We not do. not super serious over here. <laughs> but that topic is <laughs> that topic is mobile blacksmithing. Um, so both modern and medieval. So there's a lot that's uh, changed from the Master Mia fine per se. Uh, Sam's favorite topic to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> I said it, I said it, Master Mia. Yeah. Um, everyone's just lit up at home, going, Oh, yes, it's finally an episode about this Master Mia again. It's another one ready to go. So we will touch on that, yes. But uh, how it transitioned from that period up to now with the hammer-ins and traveling as a modern blacksmith as well. So um, there's a lot bigger tools now and a lot more of them to do a lot more things. So it's how it's changed. So, Sam. It's how you separate the men from the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Master Mia box, that that's your uh, sort of ex- area of expertise, Sam. I mean, like, yeah, even earlier than that, and I will I will I will touch on the most Master Mia box in a second, but like going back in, in prehistory, like back to the Bronze Age, um Smiths in general, like even in the Bronze Age, were by nature mobile, right? Because uh, in a lot of cases, it didn't behoove them to set up in a single place unless they were set up in an area where they could get easy access to the uh, like the actual stock. And in most cases, the stock was being brought in from like far and beyond by traders anyway. So a lot of the time they would be mobile because they would come to the people that needed their assistance. And in many cases, most Smiths were military. Um, or at least military kind of esque, they were related to the military and they moved along with the armies, and that carried on all the way through to World War One, World War Two. <laughs> um, there were there were mobile cavalry forges and stuff like that, you know, being made and sent out to the front lines at the Battle of the Somme. <laughs> the traveling smith is one of those things that. Um, has kind of been ubiquitous throughout the ages. And the Master Mia find is one of the best finds from the Viking period, from that like kind of semi-early Iron Age, late Iron Age, uh, you know, area of history. And that's because it directly showed a traveling blacksmith's kit, right? Like, well, it wasn't like just random pieces found one by one or a burial find. It was literally a kit. It was a toolbox full of traveling blacksmith's equipment. Um, and I think that's what makes it super special, uh, unlike a lot of the other blacksmithing f- finds we found from around the place, because in most other cases we've found, you know, like either established blacksmith shops or we've found 
individual tools kind of scattered hereabouts. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas the Mastermind kit showed like, you know, the, the various tools and, and equipment that they would use on the road, like in the kit, you had lock making gear, you had, um, you know, sheet metal working stuff. You had, uh, you know, shears and files and saws, but you also had hammers and uh, tongs and, and all that kind of stuff. They had such a variety of tools for a variety of jobs because a traveling blacksmith at the time had to basically do anything. Um, yeah. They, they, they were the one called upon to do the metal work. Well, that's right. <laughs> you know, I need to fix the door handle here or the cart or anything like that. You need the tools to do it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, you know, like one day the carpenter comes up and goes, Hey dude, the, the iron on my ax is completely screwed. Can you like reforge it for me? And then the next minute, you know, like the chef's coming up and going, my pot's got a hole in it. Can you patch it for me? You know, it's just entirely separate areas of what we now call blacksmithing. Like as mm. blacksmiths, we tend to like specialize in one area or another. They had to be non-specialist specialists. Yeah. Um, but then it comes into the issue of, what can we carry, right? And and that comes down to like, what's the method of transport? And in most cases, you would be using horses in those days and not even horses and carts a lot of the time. It would literally be like on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you were lucky, you would be in like part of a wagon chain or like a caravan, uh, in which case you could put your ch- tool chests and stuff like that on the back of an ox cart, which is actually the theory they have for the Master Mere find is that it actually fell off the bag of, a, of like a, a wagon train. Um, it's one of the theories. There's another theory that it may have been buried on purpose to try and like keep it safe. Um, but who knows? Could be either. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the, the big thing is, is that like these days we have the ac- we have access to things like trailers and cars. Um, but back then they didn't, and a horse can only call so much. Yeah. So they weren't going to take an eighty kilogram anvil because just why <laughs> Just, you know, 80 kilogram anvils back then were massive like here like today we've got 500 pound anvils and all that kind of stuff but back then you know an 80 pound or an 80 kilo anvil would be massive to them uh 80 pounds or 80 kilos of iron in one place was, <laughs> was nuts <laughs> um and so that would be reserved for a very established shop, whereas you only need, as we've discussed in many episodes before, you only need the surface of a six-pound sledgehammer to yeah. work on. You only need yeah. an anvil, you know, <laughs> the size it. of your hammer face. <laughs> That's <laughs> about it, on. yeah. That's right. Now, there's one thing we didn't find in the Master Mirror find was an anvil. Like, there are a couple of things that were listed as anvils, and one of them that could t- technically be considered an anvil, but I think they were a little too small to actually be anvil. Uh, and John Switzer did a great video on those three items. Uh, the steak handles. Yeah. 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 And he basically came to the same conclusion I did in that they've mislabeled at least two of them as anvils when they're very obviously drifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's because it was written by people who weren't blacksmiths. <laughs> that's usually the case. Um, but yeah, so like I imagine that the anvil was kept separate from the kit itself, uh, from the box. Mm. because it probably would have been, you know, unwieldy to put it in there. Like it would have uh, like outbalanced. Might've just been too much. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, like even a, even a solid, you know, two kilo lump of steel 
is gonna like unbalance a box pretty easily <laughs> so, oh yeah yeah definitely um if it's fairly yeah. fairly sized enough yeah <laughs> yeah that's it so like they would have had a a, a relatively you know sizable anvil they would have had something like an eight pound anvil or a, a 10 pound anvil something like a, a standard sledgehammer head that we would have had today mm. um depending on the period i can't actually remember off the top of my head where they believe the period uh the master be fine was from but they would might have had one with a bick with a little horn or they might have had a hornless anvil um but that would be all they need to do anything from bloody you know horseshoes to latches to swords to axes to hammers anything because the whole thing is modularity just being able to work with what you've got adapt and improvise and overcome (laughs) yeah channel your inner bear grills (laughs) that's it and i I think that's one of the most wonderful things about traveling blacksmiths is that you go from that period um to one of the next uh famous periods in in my opinion which was uh, the the Napoleon like the pre-Napoleonic like Renaissance era, where tinkers were quite commonly blacksmiths. You know, tinkers are the traveling salesmen of the day, and they were quite famous for being thieves. But they also uh, were regularly blacksmiths and farriers, and that was how they you know managed to pay their way one town to the next was by forging small items like penny knives and stuff like that. Um, and selling them on the streets. And so they would have a small smithing setup that they'd carry with them. And a lot of the time, it would just be a simple bellows that they would then dig a hole and use the the old hole of dirt um, <laughs> forge method. <laughs> uh, and, and basically all they would need is a single pair of tongs that they would you know kind of finagle everything that they were forging and a single hammer and an anvil of some sort to, to forge on. And... I think that's what the crux of the traveling blacksmith is. It is a minimalist blacksmith. Yep. It, it takes us down to our roots. And it's one of the reasons why I love doing demos so much because <laughs> it, makes, it makes me be a minimalist, right? Like it's great being in the shop and having your hydraulic press or your power hammer and you're like, you two by seven. All of the toys for sure. You know, yeah. Just, you know, yeah. having all of that gear at like at hand to hand ready i mean christ i i thought it was really bougie that we had a vice at our last demo <laughs> <laughs> like i was like ooh, a vice ooh, how special stepping up in the world <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it forces you to like become the blacksmith at that you need to be at heart which is that that person who goes okay i have a hammer i have an anvil i have tongs and i have a file these are my tools. What can I create from that? And it, you quickly realize that it's like, oh, I can do anything. I can, I can make anything. Just give me a right amount of time and the right, you know, like a piece of random piece of wood that I can pick up and I can do this. Like, um, and so I think that's, that's one of the things that really kind of brightens my day about doing demos that it reminds me of how much you can do with so little in our craft. Oh yeah, you definitely do forget some of those techniques and and um, you know things that you make like like uh, at the latest demo that we were at uh, when you went back to making a few leaf keychains. Yeah. Um. So stuff like that, it, you really can do anything. If you just pick up that little scrap, what could it be? <laughs> like the yeah. like you, I think we were talking about it. Uh, was it last episode or maybe the episode before? Is uh, the Abana 150 mil challenge? Yeah. Um. Things like that that little bit of metal there's so much to work with there um it's you just have to see it 
that's it. <laughs> I like, and I'm bringing this back to the Master Mere Find for a second because uh, it's one of my favorite pieces from the Master Mere Find. Um, <laughs> is that you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Categorized at the end of the Master Mere Find in the in the pictorials is a bunch of little tiny pieces of scrap, right? Like they, they had saved every tiny piece of wrought iron that they had cut off other projects, and there was a half welded billet of a random mishmash of wrought iron, right? Like it had been. Ah, uh, that's right. That little amalgam block of mismatch yeah, stuff. There was a block of wrought iron that had only been halfway welded. So it had obviously like at the end of the day, they'd like smashed together a bunch of the, the wrought iron offcuts and it started welding it before they, they'd lost all of their coal and they'd kind mm. of gone, ah, well, you know, whatever, we'll come back to this tomorrow, but they never had it tomorrow. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's a great, like, it's just a great evidence of the fact that back then the material itself was so precious, but also mm. the ability to kind of go, I need to keep all of this because I can reuse it. Like I can make something oh, yeah. from this. Um, like yeah. these days, we throw away offcuts all the time. Like you know, I, I throw out fucking kilos. That that does come come with the modern times as well. <laughs> it's a little bit more plentiful now. Well, yeah. I mean, when you can pay twenty bucks for a six meter length of bloody you know like steel. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's that's that that comes back to to the whole traveling part of it. You know, like once once you were in a certain space for a while, those materials will stop flowing where where, where the you know, where you are. They're going to dry up, and you'll need to move on. Um, or the traders uh, um, that are coming through don't have the materials that you need. So again, you're going to need to move on and find other stuff. So making your own steels and and uh, bits like that was crucial. So that's why the scraps were so imperative. But that little amalgam block is a, is a perfect little snapshot of time um, of what was going on there, like a little a little timeline snapshot. That would look great in the museum. It'd be fantastic. The stories that would be behind that would be incredible. Um, but that's history. And like, it's evidence that like traveling blacksmiths of the time and even these days are the scrappers of the yeah. world, right? Like I can imagine being a traveling blacksmith back then and going through a town and it was quite regular, even up until the industrial yeah. area. Um, actually quite famously, the Sheffield cutlery industry at the very beginning of its kind of rise to fame mm. went out and traded with carriage drivers across England because they found that the steel that was used, the sheer steel that was being used to make carriage springs in the period before they had started making steel was actually superior to the sheer steel that they were able to create in-house. Yeah, wow. And so what they did was that they would make these springs. They Like the start of the Sheffield cutler industry was actually spring making and they would make springs from their inferior mm-hmm. steel. And then they would go out to the carriage drivers and go, hey, listen, we've got a new spring packet for you. Can we have your old one? <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of the early Sheffield cutlery industry was based on carriage springs from old carriages. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, and it was it was because the steel was so, like, it was much better because it was created by a smelter that was no longer in business um, before Sheffield got in on it. And obviously Sheffield wasn't set up for smelting. It was set up for forging which is a totally different oh, yes. process. And it was much cheaper for them to trade with the old carriage drivers than it was to try and like commission more steel from the smelter. Well, you know, with your uh, carriage and somebody comes up to you with that sort of uh, get up, well, hey, yeah, I'll take some new springs. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, take the old janky ones. <laughs> yeah. 
car exactly. salesman um, was born. And like, <laughs> I, I think that's the, the thing that's wonderful is I, I, I imagine the traveling Smith was like all of us when we started smithing where it's like, yeah, someone goes, Hey, I've got some you know, spare files just lying around, whatever. And you're like, Oh, I'll take them. It's like, you know, yeah, give it to me. You know, oh, I've got a, I've got an old leaf spring sitting out the back. Oh, I'll take that. Excellent. And I, I think that would be the ideal would be like, you know, traveling from oh, yeah. place to place and just kind of someone's going, oh, this old piece of iron's crap. And just yeah. it their shoulder <laughs> yeah. and the, the blacksmith like running up behind them and like hiding it under their jacket. Oh. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> because, you know, like nothing ever went to waste. And I think that's the, the thing I find real good about uh, demos. Like you said, we were just kind of making trinkets of, out of pieces and, uh, figuring out how to make the most of the material. Like I had one file and I made yeah. two knives out of it because <laughs> I was like, I can make two knives out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. There's, there's so much you can do with a little. Yeah, exactly. Um, it just, yeah, it really makes you like focus on the skills that you have at the anvil. And I think that's one of my favorite things. It's why I yeah. think everyone should do traveling blacksmithing a little bit. And when I when I say it separates the men uh, from the boys, even even once or twice, yeah. When I say it separates the men from the boys, I'm not talking about like how strong you are. It's all about the fact that <laughs> you are no longer reliant on power tools, right? Like when you when you're in a yep. space where you don't have access to power, it really makes you concentrate on your skills as a smith. <laughs> yeah. When you don't have the ability to kind of go, ah, oh, forge that grind thin, or you know, like. <laughs> I'll just I'll clean this up on the grinder. It's no, you're gonna have to file that. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. So it, well, it's it's changing your whole process of working as well. Like you know, what what can I do at the anvil to save me the grinding later, or or any of that sort of stuff. Anything that you can put in at the anvil before you have to get to a grinder or a power tool, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like we were talking about tongs. You know, yes, we can just drill the hole. No dramas, but. What about when you don't have a drill? Yes. You're going to have to punch the hole. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. <laughs> so it, it's putting all of those techniques into it and, and really uh, being able to you know, send it, really, yeah, I guess. I, I what, think what I'm trying to say. The, um, doing demos is the reason that I had about 15 rebar hotcuts. Because every time I would do a demo, I would forget. Oh, yeah. I would forget to bring my slitting chisel with me. And I would always get there and I'd be like, ah, oh, damn it. I've forgotten my friggin' slitting chisel again. Oh, I need to cut things. All right, well, uh, I've got a piece of rebar here. Cool. Just smash an edge on it, quickly quench it in some water, and it's hard enough to do the job. Sweet. <laughs> and then I'd go home and add that. Plus, to it the, makes for a good demo, too. I'd add that to the growing pile of <laughs> rebar slitting to this <laughs> one, mate. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think that's the great thing. And actually, one of the things I want to do at the next demo that I do or we do is make a set of tongs at the show. Um, yeah. Because it would be one of the first things you would make as a smith. You know, like if you were traveling and you're like, oh, I need to hold a piece of material. Well, okay, I've got to make a pair of tongs to hold that material. Definitely. It's a, it's a very valuable tool uh, to, to be able to make in a hurry. <laughs> so, Well, that's very true. <laughs> and I, I think the, the thing is, is that it, it also, it really prioritizes your use of time. Because you, you don't have the drive of power tools you don't have the the high speed of power tools so it pays you to take more time at the anvil and be more careful with your forging be more accurate with your forging because you know that you're not going to have the advantage of power tools to fix any problems you make well that's right well your your only ability of filing of anything is like hot rasping and and your hand files that's about it 
And um, again, on top of that, if you don't have somewhere to clamp it down or to, you know, like a vice, that's something else that you're going to have trouble doing. So you might need to think of something that you can have at your anvil, like a hold fast uh, or a, a bit of bit of chain with a handle welded onto the other side or something like that. You can you can put your foot in and just hold it down. Um, you don't have to think outside the box when it comes to those sort of things, because um, yeah, even the I guess traveling at uh, the master meter box size, you know, it'd be probably about the same size as most of our tool bags that you can get. Oh, but it's yeah, only yeah. those carry ones. So what what could you fit in there to still do your job as 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 the as the blacksmith? That's the amazing thing. All your tongs, your hammers, all of that, you've you've got to sort of work with a very small bag. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. And and that's one of the things that that like really fascinates me about the Master Mirror find is that there was literally like two hammers, uh, mm. both without handles. <laughs> Um, well that's to be expected a pair of tongs <laughs> one pair of tongs uh everyone will probably say oh they're wolf jaws no well they were <laughs> they were basically just flat jaws they were they were slightly just, yeah that's, i think that's what they look like they were slightly bolt bolted so they were slightly like rounded out but that was a very standard like anglo-saxon slash viking kind of style of tong uh but they were just flat jaws um they had to fit everything they had to hold everything because you know you're manipulating everything from sheet metal all the way up to hammer billets <laughs> that's right yeah. they had to be readily <laughs> they had to be readily adjustable and they had to be able to hold things sturdy ish <laughs> yeah you had to be really good at like manipulating things and making sure that you're not losing them out of your hands um <laughs> and the other thing you got to remember is that they probably wouldn't be working standing they'd be working either seated or on their knees uh, yeah. in front of a stump with the with the anvil on it um because most of the time their forge would be in the ground it would be yeah. dug a, a hole under the under the ground the bellows coming in from the side that would be their forge um because when you're traveling back then you didn't have the advantage of a raised gas forge <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> we do no nope. i mean going into the industrial period you had like the cavalry forges that i mentioned earlier which were, like would fold away but they were basically like a um like a plow disc like i used to make my you know charcoal forges out of um with a with a hand crank blower that was you know, mm. that was cutting edge chuck technology of the day uh, <laughs> i desperately want one of those because they're so cool uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no it's it's really fascinating to me to to cut blacksmithing down to its very basis where you you don't have access to all the things that we do and then kind of go okay what can i do with this um and yeah the master we find is kind of the perfect example of that i think one of the, my favorite things is the fact that we use machine made files these days <clears throat> <laughs> if you look at the files that were the, that were found in the master mirror find i think there are two or three of them um they're terrible <laughs> like, yeah they, <laughs> i imagine using those and i'm just shocked that they even got anything done with those even the teeth on there if they were put in you know they probably look like they can eat an apple through a tennis racket but yeah. at least they can still do the job <laughs> They're removing material. They're doing their job, but I guess you know you got to make it in a pinch. <laughs> well, yeah, they didn't really have the time to spend a lot of time on their tools because you know every minute they were spending making something that wasn't for a customer was a minute that they weren't getting food. Um, well, that's right, or getting paid for the job, or you know, and it wasn't like they could readily just buy stuff from other smiths. <laughs> you know, like it's not. Well, a lot of it would have been trading as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, 
That's it. Yeah. But like, you know, as a smith, you're very unlikely to trade for tools more than you are trying to yeah. trade for the raw materials and just make the raw own. materials or the food or a, yeah. or a place to sleep at least, you know, something yeah, like exactly, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If I'm trading in that period, I'm like, you know, I, I could trade for the tool or I could just trade for the raw materials, which is normally cheaper and just make it oh, myself. Yeah. That's right. Because what are they going to do with it? <clears throat> Nothing. That's it. <laughs> Um, you know, got to got to save them shekels for my for you know, like oh yeah, food. my, no, my starving definitely, children. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely has evolved from from that size of a master mirror box and a tool bag to uh, even even some people going around doing it in uh, with trailers and uh, like horse floats and all that sort of stuff. It can get quite large as even a mobile shop these days, but it is quite incredible seeing people um, like a, the horse float, for example, being decked out as a little mobile shop. It's actually quite interesting to see. Yeah. Them's, them's the modern times, I guess. As long as you've got a car big <laughs> enough to pull it uh, with all the weight that you'd be putting in there, because that's where you'll probably want to have your 50 kilo anvil or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, two by 72 and a, you know, a few other bits and pieces in there. I'm sure you'll load it up, but uh, that's that starts to add a lot of weight. Oh man, like the the Kalgoorlie artisan blacksmiths. Uh, oh, those boys, they trailer. they haul a lot of steel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that setup. I, I it's a gorgeous setup. setup. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love yeah. I'd love one myself, but uh, yeah. So pair, pair of two pair of two by seventy twos. You know, two charcoal forges. Oh yeah, you know, legit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't Best think the, uh, the the trailer is near as near as good as uh, as having a gordo uh, on the day for a hammer in. <laughs> and I've I've been told I need to make a correction. It's not nine hours to Kalgoorlie. It's only five and like three quarters, depending on where you are in WA. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it is. It's. Uh, I, I do hope to get up there one day. Yeah. Them struggles though. One day, yeah. Always the work. The work. The, yeah. work, the work always comes first. And once the work is done, then uh, then in uh, travel time can happen. But uh, and like this isn't a challenge as like a forecast challenge. But I always like rec- I would recommend to you guys if you haven't tried it as a like a newbie blacksmith, if you've you know not done some minimalist blacksmithing in a while, do something. Yeah. You know, like get out of your workshop. Take just the like the basics with you go somewhere else go to a friend's place or something or do a demo somewhere and just like see what you could do with just a hammer and a small anvil that's it uh it's actually quite surprising you'll surprise yourself yeah with what you raid those scrap with. buckets you know and and grab those little yeah. offcuts. what what could you put together we might have to save that that's one as one. well for another uh forge cast challenge we'll, we'll think of something to do with some scraps and something like that that'll be fun yeah, yeah. but um judge. yeah we got lots of them but um yeah. but yeah no get onto it that sounds like a great idea i'd love to do that minimalist yeah, challenge yeah, it's just yeah it's it's just one of those fun things i think that we we kind of lose sight of it when we've got all of these cool tools and all but, these youtube channels showing us all this awesome stuff that does happen you know it is such uh, like the techniques as well you forget that these things are here and you just forget to do them like it's when we mentioned hot rasping um mm. something that's, oh. that's there you just forget to do it sometimes oh i've got the two by seven ah oh, who needs you know hot rasp you just you can <laughs> but it's because the evolution of the tools and that you just don't have to do them as much which is fair but the uh, amount yeah. of people who messaged us after we did for the hot rasping episode uh, <laughs> messaged me specifically and the forge cast just going holy crap i forgot that was a thing yeah uh yeah. i love that no, Aaron's uh, Aaron's definitely been uh, following along uh, with those tips as well, the hot rasping and yeah. 
definitely well, definitely I'm pushing ready. the soup uh everyone's getting onto the soup tacky. i love it i'm gonna have to make shirts for that soon that's that's definitely gonna happen you really will yeah yeah, yeah. who cares actually, throw it in the soup <laughs> uh, actually i was gonna say uh, i'm gonna be updating my red bubble page very soon with all the forgecast merch if you want to get forgecast merch to support the channel uh support us at the show uh, keep our lights on, keep everything going. <laughs> we have sponsors, but we're not getting paid. <laughs> no, they, they definitely help keep the lights on, and we love them for it. We love our sponsors. We do. Yeah. We also love our listeners, and our listeners are great people. They are. We've had, uh, I, I, even just myself being on for, what is this going to be, eight episodes for me now? I think so. Eight or something like that. Well, or if you don't count the one on my intro, I guess it's probably nine, but something like that. But um, no, it's been a very, very welcoming crowd. Um, you know, I've had really, really great feedback from the community, and I've I've been loving it. So I'm I'm hoping I'm still keeping your interest. I'm yeah. I'm getting tired. I'm I'm losing. It's been a big day for me. But it, um, yeah, it's been a big day for everyone. I it has. I yeah. really think that it's that as much as it's the time of the year. You know, a lot of people have been dealing with a lot of stuff. And I think it's just catching up to everybody now, especially, you know, a lot of the guys yeah. um, are probably just feeling it a lot after Blade Show as well. Because um, that's yeah. probably just been, for some of them, I'm sure that it's been a stressful uh, part of the year or the lead up to it. And they've probably just been running on pure adrenaline because uh, our good mate, Jamie Bishop, oh, uh, couldn't run around with sausage, it seems. So you know, no one was getting their extra <laughs> bits of protein and whatnot. So, well, he's he's currently hanging out at Steve Schwartz's. He job, is. So, you know, he he's, is. He's, I'm looking forward like to a, the magic that he'll be coming home with. <laughs> he's like a pig in shit right now. I'm so <laughs> yeah. jealous. Uh, it's good um, to see. It really is. Like the the community itself is is really worth it, and um, and it's great to yeah. see everyone out there still still tapping away, and and supporting us and everyone else in in the community as well. So yeah. we couldn't ask for more, really. And listen, guys, if you want to help us out and you can't help us out financially, which is totally fine, uh, feel free to send us ideas for tips or techniques that you'd like us to talk about, yeah. topics that you'd like us to get talk on those about emails and the questions. It keeps us going. It keeps us, you know, like sometimes we are so worn out that we forget to come up with topics for a week and then we have to sit there before the show just kind of going oh crap what are we talking about today uh so if you tell us what you want to hear then we are more than happy to talk about anything you want to hear us talk about as long as it's yeah. something related <laughs> oh of course well we can uh, elaborate on some of the past uh techniques and uh and topics as well oh we yeah could, if you want uh, to go rehash have something. a dive into those um i know we can touch on some uh, more medieval smithing as well mm. i know that you guys would be uh, right up the alley for that get on those emails and uh, and the instagram or anything like that and let us know what would you like us to uh dive into um and uh we'll we'll put some feelers out for some guests as well to uh see how they're recouping after blade show yeah. and anyone that's uh, got some time to come and chat with us and all of you guys and if we do we will uh maybe put some ideas out for some questions that you might want to ask them as well mm. get on it guys but other than that um i think that's probably it for the show yeah if you want to ask the show, show a question and if you want to get featured on here as a questioner you can send us a email to ask.forgecast at gmail.com or you can find us at the.forgecast on instagram or the forgecast on facebook where can they find you you can find me personally at samtown Swadesmith on facebook instagram youtube etsy patreon redbubble the kitchen sink on tiktok where can they find you zach they can find me at laughing fish forge on instagram facebook tiktok um youtube as well that's it for now (laughs) 
But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah, I hope you all guys have a fantastic week. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Don't do anything Zach wouldn't do, especially. Mm. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Take care, guys. Oh!